Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving to and from the supermarket. It is Sunday. What day is it actually today? I think it's the 14th of June, 2020. And um, yeah, I got to Legend pretty early this month. Uh, there's not, I, it was actually a pretty quick climb, all things considered. I was trying a bunch of things with Priest and then you know, just kind of got frustrated with some of the matchups and eventually just switched over to Highlander Hunter and went like, I think it was like 14 and four or something like that. It was a ridiculous win rate. Um, with a little, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. I, I tweeted it out last weekend when I hit, it was, it's a list that's, that's slightly tacked for, um, for the Demon Hunter matchup. And I went like six and zero against Demon Hunter over that climb. And, uh, and, and Schwal is actually, who's, who's a member of the Discord, and he does the Arena Sensei podcast. He um, he also took the lo that list of legend, but he swapped out a Bone Wraith for an Arcane Shot to make that that matchup just a little bit better, just to get a, have a little bit more of a proactive game plan against the Demon Hunters, and that seems to work. Explosive Trap is, is the card that I swapped in for a THL match like two weeks ago, and then I just kind of ran that on, on ladder because a lot of the time when I'm on ladder, I'm just kind of testing out decks for T either for THL or for casting at this point. Once I uh, once once I get myself to legend, and uh, so basically the explosive trap is really really good. A because people don't expect it, and also because it, a lot of the demon hunter minions just have two health. So it's it's pretty good at just kind of clearing out their board and it, it does a little bit extra face damage which you sometimes need to get yourself over the line because you're often racing as the highlander hunter and just that little extra bit of damage and and one extra board clear really does make a huge difference like even if they're um even if they're even if they're running the well i mean everybody's running the beaming sidekick but even if they get that down like it still softens it up so that one of your other minions can um can clear or, or trade off or, or, you know, or what have you, right? Or you know, like a corrosive breath can, can do the rest of the damage or, or whatever. So it turned out to be really good. It was a fast climb. And then I've been kind of experimenting with a bunch of different stuff. I've been playing a bunch of priest lists since I hit legend. Um, that's basically been all that I've played on stream this month, uh, except for one where I played Highlander Warrior, uh, which is also kind of fun. I, I don't know if it's really good enough. Like I had like a, you know, slightly above 50% win rate with it. Um, it felt okay, but, and, and it's very good against anything that, you know, is going to have a board, but then against any of the slower matchups, it just kind of sits there, which is similar to the bomb warrior, but apparently bomb warrior is like one of the best decks on ladder right now. So, you know, what do I know? Maybe I'm just playing it wrong, but, um, you know, I, I, Highlander Hunter, I don't know if I would recommend it all the time, but it worked for me in that one spot. And, and that's kind of the difference with the, the ladder system now as opposed to before is that you don't necessarily have to have like a sustained, um, you know, high win rate. Like you can kind of spike a, a pocket. I mean, it has to be a pretty good spike, right? Like ideally what you're doing is you're just kind of climbing gradually and, and um, you know, hitting, hitting above 50% win rate over the course of the, over the course of the, of the, um, the month. But it also is, um, sometimes you just kind of hit one of these big win rate spikes 
and that's what that's what I did. So uh, you know, I don't really have anything super, any super memorable games. It was a week ago, unfortunately, just because of the way that I have to record now. Uh, but yeah, Highlander Hunter is a is a deck you can still play, and it still works. And even though it is technically unfavored against Demon Hunter, there are ways you can tech it. And it's not even when you don't. It's not that unfavored against Demon Hunter, and it does very well against a lot of the rest of the decks in the in the meta. The Druid I struggled with. But Druid was really the only thing that I struggled with. Like everything else, like any of the slower warriors, even even Enrage Warrior wasn't too bad. Um, bomb Warrior certainly was, I mean, if they get the bombs in your deck and turn off your Highlander cards, it can be a bummer, but generally you have enough damage that you can kind of get through them as long as they don't get a huge Armorsmith turn. And obviously like Priest is, is just like a free win almost with that deck. And, and as is Quest Warlock for the most part, just because like, I mean, yeah, they can heal, but you can also do so much damage that sometimes you just don't give them time to be able to do that. Do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. It's worth trying. Um, I mean, it's not exactly the most exciting deck in the world. Like Highlander Hunter is been a thing and it's not really, um, you know, it's not really super exciting, but I mean, we're, we're kind of at that point with the meta right now anyway. So, So before we get into the meat of the show, like one thing that I want to make sure to comment on is is what's been going on in in the U.S. for the last couple of weeks. And, and normally, if you follow me for a long time, you know that I used to have a couple of podcasts where I talked about current events a lot on on those podcasts. And it's one of the reasons that I try to keep it out of this one, just because you know it, it gets a little bit old after a while. Not not just listening to it, but talking about it, like. As much as I am kind of outspoken on my Twitter feed, I kind of want to keep this show to the topic as much as I can. But, you know, some things are more important than that. And and the, I mean, I don't even want to say that it's like the last couple of weeks. It's just been the last couple of weeks of protests because police brutality and, and uh, police, you know, mis, misuse of power and, and stuff like that has been something that's been happening for way longer than just like the last couple of weeks and the fact that anyone should have to live in fear of just getting pulled over for a, a traffic stop or, or just like, you know, existing is something that's wrong. It, it's just flat out wrong. And, and you see, even when the cameras are on and all the attention is on how police behave, that they still are, are, are acting this way and acting in a in a prejudiced way and, and treating, uh, black, black people differently than white people. And I mean, it, violently and, and in ways that if you are black in this country and you are basically, it doesn't matter what you do and how polite, how non-threatening you are. Like you're still putting your life is at risk every time you come into a contact with the police and it shouldn't be that way. And, and even like this past weekend, given everything that's been happening, and all that we know is, you know, it, all the attention is on. There was still another man who was killed during a DUI stop, you know, and and if he was white, that very likely wouldn't have happened. Like we have white serial killers and, and school shooters who can shoot up an entire school and they still get arrested alive. And someone gets, you know, is is arrested for a DUI stop and he and he's killed. So. Uh, all that is to say that I, I'm in support of the, of the movement. I have been raising money for uh, the Bail Project, which is an organization that um, that will pay bail for people who are 
unable to afford it, um, which is a lot of people, frankly. And, um, and, and that's, that also contributes to like the master incarceration of black people in this country. So, um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, or you can come into the stream and, and donate to that. Um, I think that it's a really worthy cause. My friend Tanya DePass, who runs I Need Diverse Games, is, she's been the one who's been leading that effort. And I've kind of, you know, have joined on to that and, uh, we've raised about $200 so far. I'd love to raise some more. Um, so if you are in a position where you can, um, donate your money, then, then great. Obviously I know times are tough right now, but you know, this is a worthy cause. And there are a lot of people who, who need that just to be able to be able to be with their families when they get arrested for something for, regardless of whether the, the arrest is, is valid or not, especially a lot of the protesters over the last couple of weeks, you know, have been held on bail and, and need that assistance in order to be able to, in order to be able to, to be home with their families. So that is a worthy cause that you can donate to. I'll have a link in the show notes. I'm also going to be doing a co-op on my stream on Monday night, this Monday night, um, with Breadsticks, who is a, um, who's a really good streamer I want to be able to give some exposure to as well. So, um, come and hang out. We'll be raising money for the Bell Project during that co-op as well. And, um, you know, I think that, and this is also in case anybody is, is unclear on my stance, which you shouldn't be. Um, I have not been as vocal with my own tweets on Twitter, but I have been trying to retweet other people whose voices are more relevant than mine. I will very often get extremely vocal when it comes to, to anti-Semitism because it's something that I live with. But, you know, the black experience in this country is not something, obviously, that I am able to speak to on my own, but I've been trying to lend my voice where I can and, and boost other people's voices where they're more relevant. So, um, and, and if you... If you want to learn more, there are a lot of resources. I mean, you, you basically just have to go on Twitter at this point and, and follow just follow people on Twitter and, and follow people I retweet and you'll 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 learn a lot in a hurry. So this week is I didn't really have anything on my mind, so I asked a bunch of people to um, send in questions. But there is one thing I want to address quickly. It's not a full show topic, but it's something that's been kind of cropping up on Twitter around the uh, the most recent Masters tour. And a lot of the, you know, the, the discussion has been around the people who have gotten themselves into grandmasters because this, we just had relegation over the past week. And so now the way that you qualify to get into grandmasters is by having the most earnings over that, the, over that season's worth of, uh, of masters tours. There's three masters tours per season. And there are a lot of complaints about, well, we don't even know who these players are, you know, like, and, and the implication sort of being that because of the way that the system is set up, that you spike a tournament or two, and then all of a sudden you're in Grandmaster and, and a lot of talk about consistency and like how players like, uh, like just saying, or Muzzy, or I guess Hunter Ace before he got himself before he actually got relegated this past weekend would demonstrate consistency over a large number of of tournaments, and then that would be kind of like how how we would get to root for those players. And and like I think that it's important to keep in mind that just because we have we aren't seeing these players doesn't mean that they're not consistent and that they're not worthy of being there. And and a lot of it really goes to the fact that we just don't get to see those players. Um, and, and, and I think this is a big problem with the esports system as it's set up right now that we need to talk about 
which is that we just don't get to know these players that we're supposed to be rooting for in Grandmasters, right? Like, there are, like, No Hands Gamer's obviously an exception. Like, he's been around a lot. He's been, he's kind of made a name for himself outside of tournaments by being somebody who's been a deck builder, who's been, you know, who's been innovating in decks and, and kind of shaping the meta. But a lot of these other players are, are very good technical players who just don't have a lot of opportunities to show themselves. And, and that's kind of the big problem with the Masters Tour system as we have it right now is that, you know, and, and it's it's also a problem with, with players like Frosty who got relegated. It's like, well, I'm pretty much done with Hearthstone now. Like, I'm going to play in the tours that I qualified for, but I'm not going to grind to get into into more of them after that if I don't qualify for my standings in, in prior tours. And, and you can't really blame him. Like, there's not... There, there's no middle ground, right? Like, if you look at Overwatch, you have, you know, Overwatch League and then you have Contenders. And Contenders is, like, a number of, of second-tier organizations that are not tied to the... Or maybe they are. I don't even know if they're farm teams or not for, like, the, the major teams that, you know, like the Boston Massacre... The Boston Massacre. That was my fancy football team forever ago. The Boston Uprising or the... Um, or, or, like... The, I don't even know any of the rest of the teams to be honest with you because I don't follow Overwatch League, but you got my point. Um, but there, there's another place for those players to be, and Blizzard runs those tournaments. I mean, they, they sometimes give them out to third-party organizations to cast, but you know they have those those tournaments where you can learn about those players, where you can see them play, and and there's also an opportunity to watch something that's not Overwatch League when Overwatch League's in the in the off season, and we just don't. We don't have that. Bemi's trying. I mean, I, I cast the um, the House Rivalries Masters, uh, you know, and, and I'm very proud to do that. And, and there are some amazing players that I get to cast um, as part of that. But that's not an official thing either. Like, I mean, Bemi's trying to fill that gap and, and doing so valiantly. And I would love it if Blizzard would kind of take that up and, and kind of, I mean, selfishly also because I'd love to be casting for that. But um but you know would like to love to take that up and, and kind of elevate that but but that's where you learn about some of these other players right or or having opens like we used to have dream hack opens right and that and those were those were where you would find some of these new players like somebody would bring a deck and have a breakout performance and that's how you would learn about them and then you'd see them again and you'd start rooting for them right like we don't have any place for those players to be so there's no place to be to like get yourself on stream outside of one of these masters tours and even then like it's one it's one tournament every two months and everybody's competing for those spots on stream to to just be seen right to be able to show your to to show what your skills are and then on top of that like where are you supposed to get experience being on stream Right, like that was where you where it would happen. Like you would get tapped. Again, I'm I'm not speaking from experience, but from you know speaking to some of my friends who have been in those in those positions, right? Like that's where you would that's where you would learn to play on stream with people watching you because it's a different thing, right? Like it's one thing when you're playing in a in a conquest format from the comfort of your couch, and I mean it still is, um, from the comfort of your chair. Um, it's another thing when you know that you have people spectating you and, and watching your moves and commenting on them and, 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 you know, not wanting to, you know, look like a fool in front of, in front of a stream, right? Like, and having everybody criticizing your plays and, 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 and analyzing your plays. And that's a, that's a big difference. 
that's something that um, you don't you don't get. You, there's no other way to get that, right? And and there's no other way for us to learn about these players and root for them if they're not getting an opportunity to get on stream. Like, you know, all these players were unknown at one point or another, and then they and and then they started showing up at at opens or or you know Masters tour stops or whatever, and would be able to, to prove themselves and we don't we don't have anything like that so i think that that's a major failing of the system just that we don't have any other way to learn about the players that we're supposed to be rooting for and i think that's a failure for the viewers and also for the competitors like there needs to be a place where you can at least feel like you can show yourself right and like one tournament every two months you have to grind ridiculously for and then spike a tour a single elimination tournament in order to do it like it's a it's it's a lot of it's a lot of work for for low guaranteed return right as opposed to showing up to like a swiss tournament and then being able to show consistency over that like being able to to do that as opposed to a single elimination tournament is very different and it's like especially a game with variants like the you know the number and it goes to getting into grandmasters too like the difference between a seven and two and an eight and one record to get into top eight is like drawing one card right so it, it's kind of frustrating as somebody who's been trying i mean obviously i'm invested in the in the masters tour system because i do all the stats for you know the masters tour qualifiers I, not not officially i'm just doing it nobody asked me to do it um again and but you know it's something that i enjoy doing and and i there was a, a gap there but there's not any place to really highlight that. I mean, maybe I need to be doing a little bit better in the in the dashboard itself to kind of show those players who are having good consistency. But the problem with, with doing that in a Masters Tour qualifier setting is that if somebody spikes a tournament, then they drop off, right? Like, I can show all the players who, are, who have a really high win rate over, you know, Masters Tour qualifiers, but, like, as soon as they qualify, then they stop playing. So somebody who, like, spikes the first tournament or the first weekend of tournaments, they're not going to play for the next seven weeks. You don't get to see that consistency because they're spending that time practicing for the Masters Tour. So I don't know what the solution is here, but I think it's something in the system where you need some sort of an open system that is not just the Masters Tours or some other, or, or open things up more to third parties to run these kinds of tournaments. That's been the problem, right? Like DreamHack, again, it's hard now that we don't have, that, that we can't go and gather anywhere. But that also opens up things for, and, and you're seeing a couple things like WSOE is is starting up again, and um, you know, and, and Bemi's obviously doing what he can with with house rivalries. But you need official support behind that. Like you need Hearthstone Esports taking those those efforts and making them real, right? Like the the power that the Hearthstone Esports account has to draw attention to an event that is not being run by Blizzard is huge and could do a lot for like the second tier of the tournament system but we're just they're not doing that right now and i think even if they don't want to run that themselves raising awareness of these other of these other um tournaments would help a lot so even if that's like a small thing that they could do um that would help out just to to make it so that when somebody gets into grandmasters we know who they are and we can root for them Right, like it's hard to root for somebody who you, you're just meeting for the first time, especially against like known players who are already in there. Like, how do they how do they build up a fan base? You need to have some place outside of that system in order to build that up.
And that's on the esports team to do. All right, so let's get to some questions. And, um, you know, I put out a call in the Discord for questions. You can always join the Discord at discord.offcurve.com. Um, that's where I take those. And, and, you know, it's also just a generally, it's a pretty good Discord, if I do say so myself. A lot of uh, interesting discussion, a lot of respectful discussion. So it's a fun, you know, it's a fun place to hang out if you, uh, if you haven't joined already. That's my, that's my sales pitch. But so we'll, we'll get to the questions. And the first one, and, and I should say that I will answer as many of these as I can on the way home. And if I don't get to your question, don't worry, I will get to it in a future episode. Um, so Forrest Bates asks, now that we've had some time, how do you think the pre-work, priest rework went? And I, I think it's hard to call it anything but a success, right? Like, it's, if you look at, I mean, the new cards that were added don't see a ton of play outside of, like, Zephyrus things. Like, but I think that's okay. I mean, you do see, like, the 1-1 one, one for one that takes a card from your opponent's deck and that, that sometimes gets run in, like, a Highlander Priest, and sometimes you'll see Shadow Word Ruin here and there, but, and that's okay, right? Like, I don't think that, like, the classic cards are, should be good enough to put in a deck and not be embarrassed about it, but you don't need to see them all the time, right? Like, they did make a number of changes, but, like, if you look at the cards that they buffed, like, almost all of them have seen play at one point or another, um, in, in some decks, I mean, just look, if you look at the list, right, like, Temple Enforcer's the odd man out, but that's fine, like, Temple Enforcer, I don't think is really a card that you want to be playing anyway, a lot of the time, and, and it's good just to have kind of a, a minion that you can put into your deck, so that's okay, but, like, and, and Power Powered Shield was, ner was nerfed, so if it's not seeing play, that's okay, but if you look at, like, Holy Nova, Holy Smite, Shadow Madness, Shadow Word, Death, and Thought Steal. Like, those are all regularly run in decks. Like, Thought Steal used to be a meme. Like, that that was a that was a card that you put in because priest cards were so bad that you'd be better off playing with your opponent's cards. And that it's I mean it's not hundred percent untrue, but it's it's actually like a legitimate option now, like, to the point where it gets run in Galakron Priest over other cards, because two mana, add two cards from your opponent's deck, assuming that we're in a meta where the average independent card quality of of the cards in opponent's decks are generally pretty good, which is the case right now, like, if, if everything is, like, Murloc Paladin and Pirate Warrior and whatever, then, yeah, you don't want that, but, like, when you're playing against, even Demon Hunter, like, some of the cards aren't bad if you get them from, um, if you get them from Thought Steel. And, like, Enrage Warrior is... Th those cards are fine. Rogue is, like... That's your win condition against Rogue and Mage. Is you just try to take stuff from their deck and try to beat them with it. So, I, I mean... To the point where... Friend of the show, Sidisi, has complained about the... You know, how bad Priest feels because all it's doing is taking your cards and beating you with them. So, like, that that's obviously, like, it's working... Right, I don't expect that Thought Steel will be a card that we will be seeing as we get more cards in standard. Like very often, cards like like Glimmer, Curious Glimmer was a card that we would play in Priest once upon a time in like a four or five set meta, but dropped out as we got to six sets just because like you wanted your own cards, you didn't want your opponent's cards, um, because the cards that you could put in your own deck are better. 
But for now, right, like, that's a, a legitimate strategy. And, like, two mana death, three mana shadow madness. Like, shadow madness was never played, right? Like, we played potion of madness once upon a time. Um, but, like, shadow madness was, like, you had to have a really, really good reason to play shadow madness at four mana. Because it just wasn't reacting to anything that late. But now that it's in three mana, it's a legitimate card that you can put in your deck and you run two of them. Um, like, death goes in and out, but death should go in and out. And, like, Holy Nova, a same thing, but Holy Nova's, like, not embarrassing to play anymore. Like, there are reasons to put it in your deck. And I think that once Breath of the Infinite rotates, you'll see Holy Nova a lot more. So, like, the fact that we're, we are playing Priest in a four-set meta is basically success, as far as I'm concerned. Because I can't remember the last time that Priest was legitimately viable in a four-set meta. Right, like we've had it in five and six sets metas. Like once we got Shadow Reaper Anduin, things opened up a lot, and like Dragon Priest was a was like a five or six set meta. But like we've never had enough viable priest cards to make a viable priest deck in a four set meta. So the fact that we are is is um and 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 that it's it's fun to play. You don't feel like completely unfavored in every matchup. Like you have playing priest like pretty much all of last year up until we found Galakron Priest, right? So the fact that we're even talking about Priest in a four-set meta is success, as far as I'm concerned. Ridiculous Hat asks, is this meta solved? And maybe not absolutely, but I think functionally, I think we can call it solved at this point. Like, like the point where I would look for any sort of hidden innovation that people have been keeping under their hats would be Master's Tour. Because, like... Your play and, and No Hands Gamer did that, right? Like he brought out Tempo Priest. That's a deck that is viable and, and probably needs some more refinement, and maybe that's a new deck, but it's not that different than Galakron Priest. Like the win condition is a little bit different, it's a little bit faster. But like at the end of the day, you're still running the Galakron cards. You're still running a lot of like the Galakron Priest cards. You're just running some more early game and less late game. So and a little bit more of a proactive approach, but it's still Galakron Priest, right? It's still a refinement of the deck at the end of the day. Um, it's not like, you know, like a couple people tried to bring like Shaman, but it's not like Shaman and Paladin like suddenly showed up at Masters Tour, right? Or like some like off the wall, you know, warrior or like a, a big demon hunter or, or like any like su substantially new archetype. We just haven't seen them. And if we were going to see them, I think we would see them at Masters Tour because like what else are you waiting for, right? Like that's the, that's the time you're going to unveil your, your mad creation, um, and, and try to get an edge on people because it's it's such a stable meta at this point. So I think that this meta is more or less solved and like some refinements might get made to some of the decks. Like some of the Druid decks are still changing. We're trying out Claws. Those are a little bit better, right? Against Demon Hunter than, than Moonfire. So we're trying a couple of different things, but it's, it's all kind of the same decks at this point. So, and I don't know that there's really anything like, like Demon Hunter is kind of the kind of the speed bump like you must be going at least this fast or have this much you can't really have enough removal against demon hunter so it's like you must you must be this fast or you must be able to deal with this and and most decks can't so i think that we need i don't know that we're necessarily going to find anything because there's so much demon hunter and warrior on ladder it's just it just gets hard to counter both of them effectively and we've kind of found a lot of the approaches for that so like yeah we'll see some refinements we'll see some new card changes we'll see some weird techs somebody will probably get bored and and put out this wacky deck 
in like a week or two that gets popular because um you know because because people are bored but like quest warlock was as close as we got and quest warlock is a legitimate deck but like past that right like i don't know what else like maybe we go back to trying to refine galakron warlock and or galakron i mean fibonacci even tried to agree to refine galakron warrior but like at the end of the day like all of those are just kind of you know they're they're one-offs so I think this this meta is more or less solved. I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see some card changes after this weekend. Uh, maybe not immediately, but I think that the, it might be between uh, a puzzle box, you know, deciding Grandmasters last week, Grandmasters Europe last week, and then just a lot of the a lot of the sameness this week. I think that we may see some card changes just to, to shake up the meta after this weekend. But I would imagine that they were going to do that. They wouldn't necessarily do it until after the Masters Tour just to not, you know, mess with everybody's preparation and kind of give them a few weeks to get to get testing on a stable meta. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see card changes before the end of the month because I think this meta is pretty solved. So Reborn asks, what, what short-term or long-term goals have you set for yourself? Um, you know, Hearthstone or Hearthstone adjacent, whatnot. Um, I mean... I guess in, in game, I would like to get to 11x. I, I would like to be able to be playing at that level and get an 11x multiplier. I don't know, like, the, the problem is that there's a lot of grinding and, and maybe it's, maybe in a different meta, it will be a little bit more enjoyable. I, I'll be honest and say that this meta is kind of getting to me a little bit. Um, it's there's been a lot of discussion about whether this meta is too variant in order for players to get an edge and they're looking at like hunter ace getting relegated from grandmasters as kind of like exhibit a and and i don't know that that's necessarily the case but there are a lot of games that are just exhausting because of the number of decision points that you have and how many of them end up just not mattering in the end right like it it there, there are too many ways, like, I don't want, I don't want to get super down on this meta, right? Like, I think that, and, and I don't, like, there's some people are saying that this is the most skill testing meta, it, you know, in a while, and, and maybe that's true, um, but there's also enough ways to just, like, scam out a win, and it feels hard to, like, it's, I guess, let me, let me put it this way, let me put it a different way. Like I'm, I'm naturally control player at heart, right? Like, like you, if you're listening to the show, you know this about me. Like, priest is my favorite class, but I generally gravitate towards control decks, which is why it generally takes me a couple of weeks after a meta change for me to kind of get my sea legs because I kind of need to have reps on whatever deck I'm playing and I need to know what I'm playing against, right? I'm not, I'm not really like an aggro player who can just like throw things at base and and you know, be happy with that because it just kind of gets boring after a while. And it's hard to be a control player in a meta where there is so... It's not that the that there's a lot of randomness. Um, I mean, there's always, like, a fair amount of randomness. But I think that there's, there's two, two aspects to the randomness in this meta that make it a little bit more... feel more oppressive. And it's the, the quantity of the of random effects and the range of the random effects. 
So, like, quantity is like lackey generation, right? Like, this was, like, Rogue has been, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, right, I get annoyed with Rogue the way most people get annoyed with Priest. Because I I understand what Priest is doing, right? And, and to some extent, like, the range is high, but you can kind of, like, if, if your thought's dealing, like, you know what's in your deck. And you can kind of start to plan around that. Now, that at the, on a turn two, that's a pretty wide range, but it's still a finite range, right? As opposed to discover a dragon, right? Or discover a spell. And, and there's a lot of that. Like, there's a lot of... And, and, and when you're playing against lackeys, there's a lot of dragons, and there's a lot of spells, and there's a lot of range in there. And you can't... You, you just can't play around all of that. Um, to the point where, like, losing to a generated Alex Straza is one of my tilt triggers. It, I, I know that it is. And it it really, even when I win that way, I don't feel good about it. Like, losing to a generated Alex Straza feels terrible, in general. And, and whether it's from a Dragon Queen Alex Straza, or it's from a Draconic Lackey, or it's from, a, like, an Emerald Explorer, or whatever... It, it feels bad on either side of it regardless if I'm the one playing it or not it feels bad and but you can't play around that like you can't play around okay well they're gonna Alex me I mean maybe if you're like so far ahead that you think about how, how do I lose but in most spots you can't do that and so like when you get blown out by something that says generated by and there's so much being generated it just gets to the point where you're just kind of playing your cards and you can't really play around what your what your opponent's doing anymore. And, you know, and this is why people get frustrated with Priest because, like, okay, you've got Renews and then you've got Thought Steals and Madame Lazul. And Madame Lazul, at least, is a, is a reasonable range. Like, you know what it could be, right? Like, you only have, you know, up to 10 cards in your hand you and you, you're getting three choices. You know what it's... And you know what they're going to pick if they get the opportunity to pick it. Um... But, like, some of these things that are wider ranges like that, or, or just, like, generate a random, you know, like, add a random dragon to your hand, or whatever, right? Like, they're, those are such wide ranges of, of RNG that it just feels bad to lose to them, and it makes it very hard to feel like you're setting up a game plan and, and, and playing against... I mean, there, there are things that you can do, but... What, like Animal Companion's a good a good example of like good RNG, right? Because like it's a it's a pretty narrow range. You know what it's going to do. You know what kind of what to expect when you play it. Your opponent knows what kind of what to expect when it happens, and then it happens immediately, right? But like the fact that like Deck Tracker had to add a thing to the UI to tell you like what card generated stuff because there's so many different things that are generating cards. I think it makes it very hard to try to get an edge in terms of knowledge of what your what your opponent's likely possibilities are. Like, there's always kind of this thing that you can't account for. And maybe that makes it exciting. And, and I'm sure there are some people who like that a lot. And, and like, for sure, when I am playing Priest on stream, I revel in that, right? Like, you've watched, if you've watched my streams, you know this. Like, I, I will still, like, I've won games with putting lifesteal on Grom and <laughs> attacking a warrior, and I am not complaining about those games, right? But... It's just, like, the, the volume of them, like, it's not limited to one class, really. And and there's, like, so many of them that happen in a game that there are just too many things for you to be able to account for, at which point you just kind of give up trying to play around things. And and I don't think that that's great 
for, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's good for keeping newer players involved because they get to play with new and exciting things. I think when you're trying to climb, it gets very tilting because you just feel like you're getting hit and you don't know where you're getting hit from. It's like when I try to play Overwatch and I just die because somebody shot me from behind and it takes me like a good 10 seconds to figure out I'm getting shot and then I'm dead because I can't, I have no spatial awareness whatsoever. And then I can't, I can't tell where I'm getting shot from. Like it's, it's, I stop playing because it's not fun, right? Because it's not fun to die and have no idea like why you die. Like this is uh, actually Star Wars Battlefront was a really good example of this. When I played the demo and like the way that I would, what it was happening was like some battle on Hoth and like I would be looking around. I wouldn't see anybody. And then all of a sudden I would die and somebody would have shot me with a sniper rifle from across the map. And that happened like over and over, like four or five times in a row. And then I'm like, you know what? This, this is just not fun. Like I, I can't predict what's going to happen. I can't, I, whatever it is. And, and maybe that's my, that's my own game knowledge from that game. Like not knowing the map, not knowing what places are open, but it's like, once you like get sniped, you know, 360, no scope sniped from across the map a few times, like you just say, well, this isn't fun. What's the point? Right. So I think that that's kind of where it is. And I'm hoping that when we get more cards that there will be more things that are powerful, but less dependent on RNG, because like the reason we're playing a lot, I mean, rogue aside, the reason that we're playing a lot of these cards right now, like I just talked about with priest, right. Is that, um, is that we don't, is that we don't have enough good, you know, other good things. So we, so it's like, okay, well, this is a way that I deal with, that I deal with my opponent when I don't have anything to answer them. I just have a thoughts deal and I'll, I'll take cards from them and I'll play with their cards. And that's fine when it's one class that's doing it when it's like every class that's doing it. And then you have mage with things like puzzle box, Yogg-Saron where just, and the Solarian, like, I mean, that just, it doesn't feel good when you put like 10, 15 minutes into a game and then it just ends because stuff happened and there wasn't really anything you could do about it. So anyway, that's a very long winded way to say that I would like to get to 11 X. Um, but I don't know that trying to do it in this meta is healthy for me. Um, just because of how tilted I get by things like that when, when I'm getting affected by things that I can't plan around. And, you know, and, you know, I can manage it for the, for the course of a, of a stream or, you know, a climbing session, but I don't know that playing for a full month in a meta like this is a good idea for me personally. And, and I understand some people love it and that's okay. And, and, you know, different people like different metas, but I think that I, I so I want to get to 11 X, but I don't know that this is the meta in which I want to try to do it. All right. And one other important question, um, from, and, and I'll, I'll get to the rest of the questions on the next episode. Um, but one important question for beef squatch is what kind of ice cream are you getting tonight? And the answer is I am not getting, I'm not coming home with ice cream today because, uh, we have plenty of ice cream in the freezer that we still have to get to. So I am coming home with other things, but I did get saltwater taffy, so I don't want that to melt. Um, but anyway, so that is going to do it for me because I am pulling into my, into my development. So um, thank you for listening. Offcurve.com for uh, for links. At Offcurve on Twitter for show announcements. At Wicked Good on Twitter for me. Uh, Twitch.offcurve.com for the stream Mondays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, Discord.offcurve.com for the Discord. Uh, please leave a review in Apple Podcasts. It helps out a lot. And um, most of all, good luck in, in your goals and your climbing. And uh, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.